Hey there. Today on this episode of Still Standing with Valerie Silvera, we're going to talk about your spiritual armor. Now, my friends, if your spiritual armor differs from mine, you can still get a lot out of this, a lot out of this weapon of hope. That's what this is. It's one of my nine weapons of hope called your spiritual armor. And your spiritual armor is yours. So it doesn't have to look like mine for it to be important. I just really feel like we are body, mind, and spirit. And so much of our time and attention goes into our bodies and our minds and our spirits kind of left twisting in the wind. And how important is it? I just firmly believe that we all need to believe in something bigger than ourselves. So whatever that is for you, it is. Now, my beliefs happen to be Christian. And so I might say something that, you know, heads me in that direction and this weapon in that direction. But that's not to put that on you. You just have to kind of modify and fill in the blanks because I can only come at it from what I believe, you know, my perspective. So I hope you'll continue on this journey with me in this episode on your spiritual armor. And like I said, you know, faith is a very personal thing. It reminds me of just, just the other day, my son was telling me a story that a friend of his mother was guilt tripping her son and wanting him to go to church. And he does have the same beliefs that she does, but he just doesn't go to church. It's not his thing, right? And she's trying really hard to guilt trip him. And, you know, you could do this very, this little thing for your mother on Mother's Day and all this. And then I I guess the next thing was the sister, you know, at least one of my children will do it. And there was all this guilt tripping going on and it didn't sit well with him. It really upset him. And I forget how he put it, but I apparently he, you know, he just told her that this is, this is a personal thing. You can't force me to believe what you believe or force me. I shouldn't say that because I guess their beliefs are similar, but you can't force me to do something. That's not, how is that going to help me? How is that going to, you know, um, support my spiritual strength, essentially? I know I'm completely butchered the story that was told to me, but you don't know what it was anyway. (laughs) The point is that he's right. Okay. So whatever your spiritual beliefs are yours, it doesn't mean you can't open up your mind and learn a few things and all that, but, but that's, that's my point is just let it be your walk, whatever that happens to be. But I think it's so important for us to have, especially after all hell breaks loose, especially when life just doesn't make any sense. And probably the older we get, you know, the closer we get to the inevitable, we really think a little bit more about it. And I just, I just know that for me, I believe that my faith, and I'm not some super duper church girl. I'm not, you know, I've read the Bible a couple of times. I've read different sections of the Bible many, many times. I've gone to church off and on throughout, but you know, my relationship with God is just between me and him. Okay. And again, I'm not this perfect praying kind of girl or anything like that. I'm not a spiritual teacher. I'm not a Bible teacher. Don't even think for a second. I think that I'm the furthest thing. I just know for me personally, believing in something bigger than myself, as I said, and knowing there's that I'm going somewhere after this show is up and just recognizing some of the things that have, that even though I've had a lot of things that don't go right in my life, definitely far more than I had than have from my little pea brain perspective, 
I just know there are some other things that have been kind of like, whoa, that had to have been, you know, sort of somebody's hand in that thing. But even more than that, I just know that something bigger than me has to be at play here because I'm, I'm just me. You know, I only have so much strength. I only have so much wisdom. I remember when I wrote my first book thinking, wow, that came to me. That was really cool. And, and I still experience that where I go, I really think God kind of had a hand in it. Wow, he's helping little old me? Crazy, right? So, but faith is a tough thing because we are believing in something we don't see, don't understand. But at least we're believing in it with some hope, right? It's one thing to believe in something you don't understand with no hope behind it. That's the cool thing about faith. But I recognize how difficult it is when you just don't understand what in the world is going on. I can tell you that at different periods of my life for the last 25 years, I've thought, what in the world? I don't understand. Okay, so God, if you're in this deal here and you're, you know, kind of a part of it, you know, you might want to send me an email. I thought, you know, God at heaven.com would be helpful. You know, wouldn't that be nice? Because I'm really not getting it. I don't understand what we're doing here. Um, I'm really confused. And then and it's hard to, to stay in faith, right? It's hard to stay in faith when you're going, you know, okay, yeah, I'll walk this thing with you, God, and we'll link arms and I'm going to be strong. And, you know, and then the hits just keep coming and you think, what the heck? I know it's tough to, to stay in faith when you don't understand. And it's really tough to stay in faith when God says no. When you really want something and he says no. When Jamie was murdered, he said no. He said no to my prayer every morning that Jamie, for a miracle that Jamie would get clean. He said no. As a matter of fact, for me, it felt like the big middle finger from heaven. I'm sure there are all sorts of spiritual teachers out there that could give you much more wisdom and perspective and theological advice on this subject, but I'm just going to tell you what it means to me. Even though I'm so confused about it, even though I pray and my prayers don't get answered most of the time, it seems, I've decided to just believe in the bigger picture believe that God actually might know a thing or two more than I do <laughs> and just go ahead and walk this thing out with God, whatever it's going to look like, not knowing what is around the next corner, knowing that I won't understand a lot of it and that I'll hear no again. But I would much rather walk with God, even though all that's going on, than go it alone, pretending I have it all together. I guess that's faith, isn't it? Another thing that faith for me provides for me is my ability to overcome fear. I feel like God really gives me that strength and those reminders that I'm supposed to live as a courageous person, that I wasn't put on this earth to be scared, and neither were you. You're not supposed to be here living in fear. Does that mean you can completely eliminate fear? No. Ain't gonna happen, my friend. We, we're always going to be afraid of things, apprehensive. We're always, sometimes we'll be downright terrified. We're human beings. I don't care how strong you get. If someone tells you they're not afraid of anything, I think they're lying. A courageous person doesn't eliminate fear. We overcome it. And there's a big difference. Eliminating something means done, gone, obliterated. 
overcoming means it no longer has a hold on us. It no longer controls us. And it's pretty likely that you have some fears that are controlling you in certain aspects of your life. They could be big, huge honking ones. Remember that? Are you old enough to remember people used to say honking? I don't even know what that means. It means big. And, or they could be small fears, but they're still kind of interrupting your life or they're bothersome or a lot of little fears that add up to you being a very, very fearful person. So what I try to help people do is just to take a step forward and start to face the bigger fears and the smaller fears. And, and that's what this weapon of hope, spiritual armor in this module is all about. The overcoming fear is giving some kind of like little tools and going through some thought processes to help you go, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start overcoming, you know, this one little thing. And maybe you could do that right now. Maybe you could just think of one thing, one, even if it's not a huge thing that you just don't like being afraid of. It's like my quest to overcome my fear of heights. Now, I'm going to tell you, though, that even though this was done a few years back, I'm still not a huge fan of heights. But I'm in a little better place with it. I mean, I used to be afraid of ridiculous heights. And I kind of had that ingrained in me, I think, because my mother's terrified of heights and she made it very known. And so that kind of, you know, translated, transferred to me. And I didn't really like that. So I kind of went on this quest to overcome my fear of heights. And so I went on this hike that terrified me when I got up to this little lookout, little lookout house. And you look all around, you could walk around this outer perimeter, this little deck, and you could have a 360 degree view. I wanted to see that so bad. But when I went up there, I couldn't even, I couldn't get up, I couldn't get my feet even up to the decking. I had to climb back down the ladder because I was too scared. And that, that bothered me. I didn't want to be that person. And I didn't want to instill fears in my kids. So I said, okay, that's it. I'm going to overcome my fear of heights. So I did, you know, different things. A lot of it had to do with my mindset, but I just, you know, real, started to realize, okay, I can go on this hike and go on this part. I'm not going to fall down. I'm fine. So some of it was me just going to little places and realizing I was okay. I'm not going to fall off this deck. I can go in an elevator. I'm not going to, or I'm not going to fall out of the window of this building. I'm still not a fan of standing next to a window in a skyscraper. It makes me feel sick. But I did go on a hot air balloon, two hot air balloons, actually, at two different times. And then I also, a friend of mine, God bless him, he rented a little airplane. Yes, I was lucky enough to have someone who could rent a small airplane. And we flew from Scottsdale to the Grand Canyon. The problem was I get dizzy sick very easily. Yep, I'm one of those pukers. And it was one of the windiest days on record, I guess. We were we were going to the Grand Canyon, right, from Scottsdale. It was so windy that by the time we got there, I, I was so sick. The next part of our journey was supposed to be a helicopter into the Grand Canyon, which I still haven't done to this day. Would have been phenomenal. I know I would have loved that. Probably a good thing they grounded all aircraft because I was too sick to have even enjoyed it or gotten anything out of it. But that was the plan. Anyway, long story short, after however many months this was of this little quest of mine, I went back up to that same hike, climbed right up that ladder and went all around the decking with no fear. It was incredible. And what I didn't even know that on the other side, there was this break in the railing. You could walk on this sort of plank out onto these big, huge boulders 
And you may have seen a picture of me standing there with my arms spread wide and nothing but, you know, sky and the earth below. Now, the picture might have seemed a little scarier than, than it was. But, I mean, it was dangerous. I mean, I was on the edge of a, of a rock. But I loved that. I loved that I felt fearless. I wouldn't have done something dangerous and, you know, stepped on the edge and fallen or anything like that. But I, it, what a difference between that first time and that second time. And so I'm suggesting, I'm, and whatever it is for you, it doesn't have to be some big quest like that. I challenge you today to choose something, some fear, whether it's big or small, and get on a, go on a mission. Go on a mission to overcome that fear because you are meant to live courageously. Okay, God. Also, patience. Spiritual armor gives helps you with patience, okay? So I was born with like a quarter of a teaspoon of it, I think. My mother was born with a, a pinch. You know when you're cooking and they go, put a pinch in or a dash. What the heck's a pinch or a dash? I think it's just not much, okay? So my mom's patience might be, maybe it's a half a pinch, I don't know which is bigger, a pinch or a dash. Whichever the smaller one is, it's half of that that she got. And because I was raised by my mother, so my poor mom gets picked on in these stories, but my biological father, is my sperm donor, as I call him, was missing for the most part. So she's the one who was there. Anyway, she has so little patience and hasn't developed much more over her lifetime, she'll admit. And so I didn't like that I was impatient or I'd be driving down the road, you know, swearing at people or getting all frustrated or frustrated at the slow checker, you know, just really too much. It was too much. And so I'm not going to tell you that I'm the most patient person in the world, but I really decided, and I, I, I got down on my knees. I did and asked for patience. So I had this friend who went, you did what? You asked for what? Are you crazy? And I went, oh, can I ask, can I take it back? <laughs> he goes, nope, too late. Let me tell you, he said, you're going to be in for it. Wasn't he right? I was in for it because I found out that patience is developed over a series of trials. It's not just, oh, you wanted patience? We forgot to give you that when you were on the assembly line? Here, let me just sprinkle it on you now. I wish. Didn't work like that. But it was worth it. I'm going to tell you that it was worth it. And, and I think that, you know, Jamie going down this path and all this stuff happening after I asked for it, it wasn't, I don't equate that with, oh my gosh, I'm the one who set all that into motion. I believe it was all going to happen anyway. And thank goodness that I was able to develop some more patience and, and even more as time has gone on. And then peace. And this is a biggie. And if you're not living in peace, and peace is tough, by the way, especially, man, we're bombarded with information daily and all the Ill, evils and ills of the world and everybody's opinion crammed down your throat and just all the division and ugh, it's just too much, right? It's hard to live in peace in the best of times. In these times, it, it can seem nearly impossible. But you really should go on a quest for peace. I called mine a frantic quest for peace. Isn't that funny? Can you ever imagine hearing frantic and peace in the same sentence? But that's that's how much I needed it, how desperate I was for even a moment of peace. I was frantic to go find it. And so I prayed for it. And I think God definitely had a hand in, in helping me to, to become more peaceful, but I had to do my part. And I think that's what, for a long time, I didn't. And I believe that's what a lot of people do is they go, oh, I want, I want peace. I'm praying for peace every day. I pray for peace. And then you continue to live in chaos, right? We continue to choose to stay in relationships that are causing chaos. We're making decisions 
in opposition of what we're praying for and we're wondering why God's not delivering. We definitely have to do our part. I mean, impatience and peace, man, they really go hand in hand together too. So you get one going, get the other one going, they can really help, each can help to develop the other. And then I think the last thing I want to talk to you a little bit about in this um, weapon of hope called your spiritual armor is gratitude. And I know gratitude seems to be a buzzword these days, but for good reason. Good. I'm glad it's a buzzword. When life is really chaotic, when all hell is broken loose, as I say, it can be hard to feel much gratitude, right? I mean, you're living in the you-know-what storm, and we're supposed to be, thank you. Oh, thank you for the storm, God. Thank you so much that Jamie's an addict. Thank you that I can't stop it. Thank you that the business is struggling, and thank you. <laughs> I'm being facetious, aren't I? You know, and, and thank you that she was murdered and, you know, whatever. You can fill in the blanks. You you hear me, right? Fill in whatever you're going through. We we, we do that, right? We, we, we feel like, we're seriously? How in the world am I supposed to feel gratitude? Well, you know what? Gratitude really changes your mindset. You know that other weapon of hope called your attitude? Gratitude really helps your attitude, uh, for one thing. And the other thing it does is it, it brings to mind the things that you do have to be grateful for because when we're in that mindset of, wow, everything's going wrong, we start to think there's nothing good. So I started my gratitude jar and it was this, it was a glass. Yeah. It wasn't that fancy. A glass. And I just started to, I would date them and they're little slips of paper. I date them and put in what I'm grateful for. And I say it out loud. That right there is the key. If you get nothing else out of this podcast today, that's the key. Say it out loud. There's power in the spoken word. And I drop it in. Started with a glass. Then I went to this jar that had a pineapple on the front of it. A little cute thing uh, with a lid. And then I ran out of room in that. So then I went into this other pineapple. <laughs> this really cool white ceramic pineapple with this gold lid. Ran out of room there. Now I have, I have this box. I'd had it for a long time. It's called a God box. And I'd bought it years ago. And, you know, I used to have some things. I sponsor a lot of kids from um, Child Fund. And I'd have things like from them in there and different things like that. One day I went, that's it. That's my gratitude box. It's a pretty good size box. And it has hundreds of slips of gratitude in there. So what's really fun sometimes is to go and pull one out just randomly that's kind of cool just to see, oh, I'd forgotten about, man, I better put that in again. I'd forgotten about that, whatever it is to be grateful for. Another thing is to, to pull a bunch of them out and realize how many times you've been grateful for the same thing. That's kind of interesting. And so here's my advice to you. Try to put something in your gratitude box. And if you don't have one already, go get it. I don't care if it's a baseball cap, whatever it is, put something in there every day. Say it out loud. If you're out and about and you can't do that, say it out loud, speak it into your smartphone, put it on a bubblegum wrapper and take it home later, whatever. It doesn't matter. And, and if you just can't do that, just speak it out loud. Try to put one thing though in every day because it's a really, really powerful tool to have with you. And on really bad days, put in 10. Yeah. I've looked at my gratitude box on really hard days and thought, really? I don't think anything's going in there. And then went, eh, you know what Valerie Silvera said once? <laughs> you should put in 10. So I'll put in 10. So anyway, that's just a little insight into your spiritual armor because it's just really an important piece of the puzzle. It's really one of, one of the nine most important, because I call all my nine weapons of hope the most important. It's one of the nine most important weapons of hope. Hopefully you got a little something out of that today. And 
that you get on your spiritual armor and you keep it on because you're going to need it. Be sure to link arms with me at ValerieSilvera.com. You can find free resources, the Nine Weapons of Hope, our Trauma Disruptors community, and my newsletter. You're not alone, and we shouldn't try to do this alone. Let's stand together shoulder to shoulder. Let's disrupt trauma for good. This is your time. It's your moment. I'm standing right there with you.